Naked ABCs, where we discuss every bare naked lady song from seven to Y. Whether we're talking about Burger King or we're talking about McDonald's, we always get to everything in the list. And tonight's song that we will be discussing is about McDonald's. Well, quarter sort of kind of well, we'll get more into that. Joining me tonight for my co-hosts, we have Jeff and Heidi. Welcome. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm Heidi, loving I, I'm, it. <laughs> <laughs> and Heidi, I, I love that little root that you did, considering the fact that we're a podcast and no one can see you doing the fist the, the fist wave there, the, the Arsenio Hall. We're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of that. We all do the I know, right? <laughs> and we have a special guest tonight because... Tonight we're discussing a really deep dive cover by Bare Naked Ladies, one that wasn't on anything for a long time, and then finally they released an album that did a live cover, a live set of their stuff, and uh, this is one of the songs that was on that live uh, disc, and it, it was great because they did this song on WCYY. And so you always had, this is WCYY bringing you Bare Naked Ladies. And, and that was your intro to the song if you downloaded it for the Bare Naked Ladies version. But I am very honored tonight to have with us the original creator and singer of this song, Dean Friedman. Hey, Tracy. Woo! Hey, Heidi and Jeff. Nice to see you guys. Thanks for having me. Hi, Dean. <laughs> I love it when we can get the original artist on to discuss the song as well as to discuss their their point of view of the the remakes and the covers. Well, it was a uh, it was a hoot when I first heard about it, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I a big smile on my face the first time uh, that someone played the track for me, and uh, especially when when the the hip hop break came in the middle. Uh, that really cracked me up. And uh, I was wondering what you thought about that, actually. <laughs> wait, wait, which which hip hop break? The the hip hop break of the of the Beastie Boys or the hip hop break of the old 70s commercial, uh, 80, 1982 commercial where they do all of the the different things you can buy at McDonald's. Yeah, to all be fair. Well, it was it, it was the Beastie Boys that took oh, me okay. by surprise, but I uh, enjoyed the mashup. So uh yeah, no, I, I thought I thought it was a, a great cover. You know, uh, anytime I hear someone interpreting one of my tunes, uh, it's delightful. In fact, the more far afield from my original concept, the better. <laughs> because uh, once you write a song, they're like little kids. They go off out into the world and they have to fend for themselves. Uh, and, uh, you know, some are better behaved than others. <laughs> Some right back home to their parents, uh, but uh, you know McDonald's girl was was really the uh, a persistent little son of a bitch. It was it, because it insisted on being heard, it, it, even after it was officially banned by the BBC. Uh, yeah. uh, when I released it on my third al album, Rumble and Romeo, uh, but uh, it just why, was... why did they decide to ban it? 
Well, you know, in those days, and and ostensibly still to this day, but it's changed. In those days, well, the BBC is a, pretty much a government radio station, a national station in the UK, uh, and uh, uh, they, because they're a government-controlled station, and and uh, and specifically a non-commercial station, they had strict rules about any lyrics that hinted at a commercial endorsement. So for example, when the Kinks put out uh, Lola, they had to change the lyric Coca-Cola to Cherry Cola. Right. And uh, I think Paul Simon's Kodachrome was uh, not Mm. played because for that very reason. So uh, when they, the label put out uh, McDonald's Girl, uh, they said, no, times have changed and they'll play it, they'll play it. But it, it was again, officially banned, although they played it in Ireland a lot, which was nice. And a few, the few commercial stations that were just coming up in the UK at the time uh, played it as well. But uh, effectively, because it was banned, it really kind of derailed my career, led me to, to being kicked off the label. But uh, as I say, it was the little song that could it really insisted on being heard and it, and it persisted and it was just a few years later than that then unknown band out of canada did a cover version of it which was as i understand it was one of the first airplay hits mm-hmm. and uh not too long after that a band called the blenders covered it and it was a number one hit in norway and and YouTube came along and then it went viral and uh there are hundreds of YouTube videos of people all over the world doing cover versions or lip syncing to existing cover versions and dancing around and acting out McDonald's girl. So uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was gratifying seeing the song uh, get out there into the real world, uh, really uh, left to its own devices. Uh, And and didn't McDonald's actually use it in a commercial too eventually? Well, uh, in fact, uh, and bear in mind, this was more than three decades after it was banned for, for, you know, I was being accused of writing a commercial. And uh, in fact, uh, finally, just a few years ago, I got a call from corporate headquarters of McDonald's and uh, they said, Mr. Friedman, we'd like to license your song for a national TV and radio campaign. And I said, wow, that well, that's great. What took you so fucking long? <laughs> but I tell you, I mean, there is a, a, an anecdote that that I've only told a few times, but this is true, is that after I was dropped by uh, CBS uh, because it had been banned, uh, I was furious. And I thought, well, you know, if you're going to give me a hard time for writing a, a supposedly a commercial, well, I'm going to make it a commercial. So I actually got an appointment with the head of marketing for corporate headquarters of McDonald's in Chicago. This was, you know, almost 40 years ago at this point, uh, right after I've been dropped at CBS. And I went out there and I had printed up uh, a whole bunch of uh, flexi discs. If you remember in a magazine, you'd, you'd open up the magazine, there'd be a flexible plastic <laughs> vinyl LP, yes. you know, you know a, a 45 RPM that you could, you know, carefully place on your turntable and play it. Well, I, I had a thousand of those made up of McDonald's girl. And so I flew out to Chicago with a whole pile of these McDonald's girl singles under my arm. 
and really excited about having this meeting with their marketing department. And I went there a day earlier. I didn't want to be late. I wanted to make sure I did everything right. So I walked into their corporate headquarters into the lobby just so I knew how to get there so I wouldn't get lost because it was Chicago. I wasn't familiar with the town. But as I was about to leave the building, I noticed there was a big door. Uh, it was someone was about to open and it said mailroom on. And I thought, hmm. Well, I went up to that person and I, you know, I, I just held the door for a second. I said, excuse me. I'm wondering if I offered you 20 bucks, could you put one of these flexi discs of McDonald's girl in every mailbox for McDonald's corporate headquarters? The guy looked at the 20, he said, sure. And so <laughs> I stood there and he put every one of these flexi disc singles in the mail slots of every corporate executive at McDonald's headquarters. Now I walked away thinking, what a brilliant, what a stroke of genius. This was such a great idea. This is how you get things done. <laughs> and by the time I got back to where I was staying, there was a message left for me that they had canceled the meeting because they were so offended that I had violated the sanctity of their mailroom uh, that they, uh, they, they weren't interested in talking to me anymore. So that was my wow. first, that was my first lesson in obeying corporate protocol. Uh, that is amazing. I would have thought they would have loved your ingenuity. Well, you'd think, but, you know, we're talking a very straight-laced company here. Well, but, yes, but, I mean, look where they came from. I mean, they built themselves from a very small <laughs> a very small company to, to what it became. Like, holy cow, that, that just amazes me. But, you know, Tracy, it made it even that much more sweet and satisfying when they finally <laughs> called me up and did indeed license the song for a national TV and radio campaign. And uh, yeah, that's that's my plan is to write a great hit song and then sit on my ass for 30 years till some corporate company <laughs> realizes uh, how good it is. I was really intrigued with the fact that they used the Blenders version for that commercial because it doesn't sound so significantly different from yours right. that they couldn't have just used yours. Well, they could have used Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> You know what? The Blenders did a really nice, sweet uh, vocal arrangement of it. So uh, that is know, true. I, I thought that was really superb. And, uh, you know, it also kind of I, I saw how it all fit. It it, uh, it blended in uh, with their sort of uh, warm, fuzzy, you know, treatment <laughs> of this uh, McDonald's universe. And uh, so, yeah, no, I was delighted by the whole Peculiar turn of events. <laughs> I don't think the BNL version would have gave people warm and fuzzies. Like I, I don't think that's their their focus when they when they did their version. Well, what can I tell you? Uh, it uh, it was full of enthusiasm, and mm -hmm. uh, th that's one of the best parts of it. I I would agree. It is significantly different than your original. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that. Like it, it, it's like comparing different fruits really when it comes down to it because even though it has the same stem beginning they really took it in a different direction to give it a different sound um and so it's, it's intriguing to hear these two different versions and i love both of them well the big challenge for me was the <laughs> once the pandemic kicked in with the lockdown i had to cancel a 40 city uk tour along with every other musician and i started doing webcasts as did every other musician 
And uh, I invited Stephen Page to be one of my first guests. And uh, so right here in the studio where I'm talking to you from, uh, we did a split screen and we bravely attempted to do uh, our version <laughs> of McDonald's Girl uh, as a cover tune. But the problem was, is that we do it in totally different keys and we do it different <laughs> changes, the chord changes. So I was trying to go like, you know, and he's going. There were a couple of clangers and and missteps, but actually, it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. Everyone watching, I think, really enjoyed it. It it was a great time. I actually tuned in for that. And at the time, I think it was one of those things I needed. I mean, because that whole year was just so dark and uncertain for everybody. And little moments like that, I think, as a musician and everything, just were so amazing to see. This is this is what everyone is doing. You know, this is how they're creatively breaking out of what's going on and they're still they're still uh they're still reaching out to fans and everything and i th- i thought that was fantastic it was a great time i'm glad you enjoyed it i i did as well i think steve did too yeah no and you can see that the the joy that you had when you guys were doing that <laughs> definitely came through um when they were watching the, co- the that discussion and that well sort of concert kind of playing playing that song uh, well, uh, yeah, no, I'm a fan. So uh, it's, um, it's mutual and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's always fun to see what Steven's up to and what the rest of the band is up to. Now, I've never, I don't think I asked you this last time we talked about it, but where did McDonald's Girl come from? Can you tell us a little bit about the origin <laughs> of this song? Well, you know, you have to appreciate that uh, when you, you know, start out gigging as a, a musician, playing, uh, you know, lounge gigs and weddings and bar mitzvahs and, uh, you know, club dates and whatever you do, you always find yourself loading up your gear two o'clock in the morning, starving, looking for a diner that's open 24 hours to get something to eat. And inevitably that means you're sitting there, uh, you know, with your pals uh, eating a bacon cheeseburger deluxe platter. And uh, the, the sweet savior of the night is the, you know, as the cute waitress in a, a tight fitting uniform, you know, g- giving you uh, th- this delicious burger. So you can't help but fall in love with her. And uh, was it always McDonald's girl or what? Did you have another title to start with, like Diner Girl, and then it well, just became McDonald's girl? Well, you know, it, it might have been a Burger King girl, but, but <laughs> there were the syllables didn't fit exactly right. So it, uh, it, it, it just, uh, you know, it somehow fell into place. And uh, she was an angel in a polyester uniform. Uh, although that's just one uh, aside here, when McDonald's Girl, when, when the McDonald's Corporation licensed McDonald's Girl, uh, they 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 called me out and said, "Look, uh, we're, we're we'd like to ask you if you'd be willing to make um, a, a couple of small changes to to the lyric." I said, "Well, what do you had in mind?" And he goes, "Well, first of all, we think sixteen is or fifteen is too young because that was the original uh, <laughs> yeah. age." I said, okay, uh, uh, what, and what else? And he goes, well, also, you know, that line where you refer to it, her as a virgin, uh, we'd like to change that as well. Uh, 
<laughs> so which, I, I, which is one of the best lines in the song. Let's oh, be honest. Yeah. Well, and also I said, I said to the guy, I said, so wait a minute. I, let's just so I understand what you're asking here. Instead of a song about a, a sweet, innocent, young 15 year old virgin, you want the song to be about a 16 year old slut. And uh, <laughs> so they, they didn't appreciate that, that take on it. But um, so, yeah. They, and also the other line was uh, that she, uh, I'm sad to say that she's in the McDonald's girl in the McDonald's commercial. She's no longer wearing a polyester uniform. She's now an angel in a golden arches uniform. Oh, <laughs> but she's still an angel. What was the vir- what was the virgin line changed to? Um, I'm trying to think uh, what it was. Uh, you know, I, it, it escapes me in my mind. But uh, some, I actually watched it not too long ago, and I can't remember what it was. Yeah, some some innocent uh, euphemism or you know replacement. So it was the kids' bop version, basically. <laughs> exactly, the kids' bop. Yeah. Although I gotta say, my kids listen to it when I'm in the car listening to this, and they, it just goes over their heads. They haven't asked me about that line yet, so uh, you know, just McDonald's being a little picky there. It's all very innocent. <laughs> well, and exactly, and that's what I've always loved about this song is I was the 15 year old McDonald's girl. That was my first job. That's I won't awesome. Say that I got fired after my second week. Um, actually, I fell down the stairs, and they just thought I was too clumsy to work there apparently so, <laughs> that's so Heidi um and but I that's one thing I've always loved about this song is because there is an innocence and a truth to this song that is very much like that 15 16 year old kid that's going to McDonald's because he's got a crush on that girl and like mm-hmm. the, the, that was that there is something sweet about it and also a little saucy (laughs) i get it (laughs) um about you know what my you know my homeroom teacher would have to send home for a week um because you're you're that it's that exploration and that you know you you're gonna sit there until your everything is cold just to just to linger a little bit longer and see if she notices you and and that whole goodbye you know, which he says to everybody, but translates to a 15 year old boy as let's go uh, get busy in the back. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but also in the lyric, uh, he's, um, you know, characterizing her as the only other virgin I know. And that's implying that he's the other virgin. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So, I mean, how much more innocent can you get? Exactly. And I like the innocence that's in it. I also like the authenticity. Uh, uh, authenticity. There we go. I love the authenticity <laughs> of those moments because I had moments like that. I think everyone or a lot of people have moments like that in their childhood, in their their teenage years, and because it is innocent and because it's just this sweet moment, it really kind of brings up these reminiscent feelings. Uh, well, I mean, that was, I guess, the feeling I was trying to evoke because, you know, it was this, the whole album, Rumpled Romeo, which McDonald's Girl comes from, uh, was really this pure romantic album filled with 
adolescent angst and love and you know all these sort of not not only innocent but you know from an innocent time uh, and, and trying to evoke those feelings of, of hope and optimism and uh, and there's, there's definitely a lot of naivete in it but uh, you know almost every song on the album it really does take it from that point of view in fact when I perform McDonald's Girl these days because I don't change her age. She's still 15. I have to preface it by saying, look, uh, I just want to make it clear that this song is being sung by a teenage boy who's smitten with the girl behind the counter. Because I have had some, when I haven't done that, I've had some people come up to me irate at the end of the show, uh, telling me how inappropriate I thought it was for me to to sing this, you know, uh, love song yearning for, you know, some... uh, uh, underaged jailbait. So, uh, um, yeah, but you say in the lyrics that you're in Little League, like it's actually in there, right? Right. Oh, yeah. And that's <laughs> that, oh, that particular verse still, like, there's something Americana about it for me yeah. that it's, you know, leaving, it's getting dark with the gold arches light of my way, turn the corner of the traffic, and then I rehearse what I'm going to say. And it reminds <laughs> me of that scene in Back to the Future where he's like, I'm your density. <laughs> because I can see the wheels turning and I taught high school for 20 years and I saw this happen a million times there you go sure like in the band room going Miss Welch I really want to ask her and they're like the clock is turning of I'm going to say (laughs) I'd like to order fries and a quarter pound with cheese I love the light in your eyes like it's just like (laughs) Yeah, I'm your I, love, I love how the pickup line becomes the order. I right. think that's one of my favorite parts of the whole song. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I'm I'm delighted to hear that kind of feedback because, you know, those are the kind of thoughts that occur to me as I'm trying to develop a character and paint a scene. Uh, and, uh, you know, even the golden arches light up the way. For me, that was a really evocative line. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, one of my favorite singer-songwriters and, and biggest musical influences, <clears throat> in particular lyrically, uh, was is Joni Mitchell. And in one characteristic of Joni Mitchell, and I, 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 I would guess it's because she started out training as a painter, is that she fills her lyrics with color and light. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that uh, a, a case of you, you know, like, uh, you know, she, in, in the blue TV screen light, uh, there, there are these very vivid scenes almost of a cinematic quality that she conjures up with her lyrics. And light is always an important aspect of it. And so uh, as a writer, that's something I always aspire to do and still to this day, to be aware of, of setting the scene. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, just a little thing like th- those go- golden arches light up the way, it sort of suggests a time of day. Mm-hmm. It's after school. Things are, you know, d- th- it's getting towards dusk. And those lights are, uh, uh, be- uh, you know, beckoning them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's all to my mind evocative. And uh, it- it's, a scene that I, I know is familiar to 
as many millions of people have 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 uh, eaten billions of McDonald's hamburgers. <laughs> well, it also it totally like you said, e- evocative. It re- it takes me back to like the late seventies, early eighties, where you would go to to practice, and then you would ride your bike home. And you're 14, 15 years old and you're riding your bike home and you've got like enough allowance in your pocket to grab a burger or whatever. And the, the, the golden arches, especially I live in a town of 6,000 people. We have one McDonald's of course. And it it's, you know, that bright light uh, and, and it, it represents a lot of things obviously, but it, it really takes you back to that time period where it was safe for kids to do those things. Right. That's it. You know, so mm-hmm. there that's where it also ties into that innocence piece. So it really it's it's one of those my favorite songs from my early 20s, because it brought me back to that time period, which I think was is something we're lacking so much today. Mm. Well, I think it's also great that you're officially an authentic McDonald's girl. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for like two weeks. <laughs> well, for two weeks. Well, look. But then I became the Woolworths girl, and nobody you knows you what that is anymore. Steps. That's right. <laughs> and we did not have polyester uniforms at Woolworths. So. Well, one thing that really stands out for me in this song that just really hits, and you talked about the word painting or the color, the colors of the lyrics, and uh, the vivid, and where it maybe hits me, and I'm assuming this is how I interpret the song, and I think everyone, um, you know, you know, good, good lyricists and good songwriters write just enough that they get their message across but people interpret them the way that that hits them but where it comes back to memories because i was that kid too i was you know early early 80s uh i was in seven eight year old so i was in little league around the time the song or close to the time the song came out so it, it does remind me of that time and i remember being that eight nine ten eleven year old kid going into 12 13 Um, And one thing I would always do is I would rehearse the lines and I would say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to say this. And so many memories of chickening out. And you have that line in there about the burger getting cold. Yeah. And that to me is one of the, one of my favorite ones, because it's almost like, yeah, you sat there until the burger got cold and now it's time to go. And like that kind of imagery, I just love from this song. Cause every time I hear that line, I'm like, Oh yeah. 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 And he didn't eat the burger. The burger sat there and got just cold. sat there. You're waiting to get up your nerve to go talk to her. Uh huh. <laughs> well, you know, that's the argument I gave to the BBC when they banned the song. Uh, you know, they uh, they were afraid that immediately upon hearing McDonald's Girl on the air, millions of people all over the UK would start uh, dashing down to the nearest McDonald's, gorging themselves on hamburgers. Uh, <laughs> and I argued, I said, look, if you listen carefully to the lyrics, I never actually eat the hamburger. And I, I thought it could be more of a public service announcement, but they never saw it that way. <laughs> You don't say anything about eating the fries or not. And let's be honest. I don't know who can turn down McDonald's fries, but maybe you didn't eat them. I don't know. <laughs> I probably ate I the fries. How many, I wonder how many burgers the, the kid actually went through because <laughs> he probably did that every night, went down, bought a burger, never ate it. He went there to see her. And I'm, I also imagine in my brain and the little movie in my mind, oh, there's a Broadway reference. The movie in my mind that he is younger than her by a little bit and he's like you know really thinks that there's going to be something but she's all like bye-bye bye-bye now bye-bye you know like she would be with any customer and is never going to give him the time of the day but she's that she's the 
the uh, what's the word the pinnacle of girl for him <laughs> at that moment well you know you never know because if 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 the kid in the song is as persistent as the song itself you, who knows you know maybe she'll show she, up she, with a burger she might have uh, you know he said yes when he asked her out finally and when he get, finally got up the nerve to ask her out on a date we need a part we, we two. need the follow-up yeah well, there's a thought. <laughs> they both they they get together and eventually they open a franchise and it's a whole thing. Uh, and they have little uh, McDonald's babies. It's, it's like the, the <laughs> twist. Is, the twist is he marries Wendy Thomas. <gasps> oh, oh. <laughs> this is fast food for thought, folks. <laughs> well, I'm gonna bring us to a similar but not quite the same topic and discuss the the sound of the songs, the original as well as the B&L version. Um, I like the, the sound that you chose for this song, Dean, which is that kind of soft rock type feel, that 70s soft rock kind of feel, which goes with the theme of the song, like the, the theme of the words of the song. I leave in softball practice every night it's getting dark, but the golden arches light up the way. I turn the corner at the traffic light. I count my money and then I rehearse what I'm gonna say. I'd like an order of fries, quarter pounder with cheese. I love the light in your eyes. Will you go out with me, please? I am in love with the McDonald's girl. She has a smile of innocence, so, so tender and warm. Well, the song, you know, one of the most common questions you're asked as a songwriter is which comes first, the words or the music? And uh, my stock answer is it depends. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, every song is different. But in this instance, I can uh, safely say that it started with the uh, vocabulary and this groove. with that harmonic rhythm and that groove. It might not be apparent, but I, even though I, I, I write a lot of pop songs, my stuff, if you folks familiar with my albums know that they're really eclectic and, and mm -hmm. run the gamut from jazz to folk to pop to rock to country, you name it. And uh, it, a lot of it is really rooted uh, on uh, the, the jazz education that I got going to the city college. And I guess also, you know, listening to West Side Story, Leonard Bernstein's soundtrack. Uh, but uh, because of that, I've always had an affinity for R&B because R&B, the genre mm -hmm. uh, of all the genres you'll hear on the radio uh, in terms of contemporary top 40 music is the one that most incorporates uh, that jazz vo vocabulary, those jazz harmonies. 
and, and also in a very subtle way, those jazz rhythms. So. So there are all these, you know, ninths and sevenths and, uh, you know, two five progressions that are part of jazz that are hidden in what otherwise sounds just like a pop song, uh, including that, that groove, which is, I mean, you're right, it has got a 70s vibe, but that 70s vibe, uh, to my mind, evolves from R&B in terms mm -hmm. of the, the groove, in terms of the rhythm of it. And so in this instance, you, it started with that groove. You saying that actually kind of brings up what I was, what we, Heidi and I were talking about earlier and I, we were trying to place like, okay, well, it kind of sounds like this. It kind of sounds like that. To me, as you brought that up, Stevie Wonder, like the, the eclecticism sure. of Stevie Wonder, but also like when he does those soft songs, when he does the the kind oh, of yeah. the innocent songs. Exactly. I when I fall in love. So yes, it? absolutely. And he was another big influence. And for that reason, because he 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 works in that genre and uses that harmonic vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it wouldn't have occurred to me otherwise. But what you said, R and B, I'm like, that's who it, that's who it's evoking for me. And I and I love Stevie Wonder, and so no wonder that like this song really kind of plays on those heartstrings for me. <laughs> and I think that the tone of voice that you even use for this song also plays into that because it it really kind of gives that innocence to it, that naivete. Well, uh, let's see. You know, it's funny. I uh, this is off my third album, uh, as I mentioned earlier, but it was not what originally was going to be my third album because, in fact, my third album uh, was something I started at uh, Rosebud Studios in New York City, um, and there was this typical squabble with the record label and management and uh the uh the the third album was abandoned the, the label decided oh. not to pay the studio and so a lot of the tracks from the third album uh were sort of like suspended in midair and i a lot of them wound up on what became my uh, fourth album songs for grown-ups and I was so disgusted with the record industry and with my label in particular, because uh, it is an industry that eats its young, that I put a lot of those songs aside. And, and those songs that wound up being on Songs for Grownups were very grown-up songs, songs like Saturday Fathers and uh, Under a Canopy. They dealt with more, much more adult themes. Uh, and uh, I, I, I guess for me, it was trying to process what I was going through uh, in, in terms of the industry and really furious and frustrated. And so I, I spent a lot of time walking my dog Barker in Riverside Park uh, where I met uh, the woman who became my wife and uh, is upstairs in the kitchen uh, <laughs> after 40 plus years, walking our dogs respectively in the park. Uh, she wouldn't talk to me for a long time, but she liked my dog. Uh, and uh, so you know, after being 
furious and embittered with the industry itself, I basically fell in love and uh, I sat down and wrote a bunch of these teenage love songs because basically that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that feeling is evoked throughout that album. And it really is conceptually a narrative of that teenage falling in love experience. Uh, and uh, so, uh, but it was not the album that I, I originally started to make. It, it was another, it took another really in almost two decades uh, after being dropped by Epic till I finally got back in the studio uh, and wow. was able to, uh, you know, re-enter, uh, becoming a recording artist. And, uh, and uh, I never stopped. I never stopped being a musician. I never stopped writing songs. But effectively, I was exiled from the music industry for almost uh, 20 years. And uh, but I kept busy and, uh, you know, did a whole bunch of other fun multimedia pursuits. Well, I'm glad that you, like McDonald's Girl, kind of pursued and continued and, and kind of the engine that could through that, because like that that album uh, for Grown Ups is songs for Grown Ups is amazing. I, well, I thank got you. A, I, the, the Saturday Father's as a child of multiple divorces on both sides especially i mean in the early 80s that was i mean we had a lot of kids growing up that way and it it broke my heart really that that song in particular you don't have a lot of songs like that especially told from a, a father's side or a male side um and it it was it it, it broke me the first time I listened to it. I have to tell you that. Like, um, uh, it was it was tough. I came from nine divorces between my two parents, four on one side, five on the other. Oy vey. And, <laughs> yeah, oy vey is right. Um, and, but my, my father was my, that was the first marriage. And when I heard Saturday Fathers for the first time, I was like, that was me at five years old. Like that was, it, it, the the there were so many, images in that song that just broke me um i'm not gonna get emotional i swear <laughs> so for mcdonald's girl to utter depression um but it's it, it was that. but that's what a and good song does is a weird connection is you would meet on saturday in the mcdonald's parking lot and so it's sure. kind of that weird awful connection of mcdonald's being like in some ways, such a, such an iconic part of your childhood and youth. Mm -hmm. And then when you go through that period of divorce, that's where you're, you know, you show up on Saturday because it's equal ground. And so, yeah, that, that just broke me. I got to say. Well, it's funny because in my case, it was Dairy Queen, <laughs> <laughs> but it was the same scenario, Dairy Queen, a burger and a movie, you know, and a burger and a shake. Um, and it's, it's weird because when I first played that song for the, uh, the two heads of, uh, the, the indie label that I was on at the time, Life Song Records, um, one of the guys, Terry Cashman, uh, I played the song and, you know, you know, if a song's decent or not, and uh, uh, it had been gotten getting a really powerful reaction from folks. Anyway, I played Saturday Fathers for him. 
And he turned to me after I finished. He said, Dean, you know, I'm a Saturday Fathers. Uh, and that's one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. And I never want to hear it again. <laughs> that, that, this was the head of my label <laughs> telling me this. And uh, so I said, okay. <laughs> Uh, not not long after that we parted ways entirely but uh i appreciate you sharing that heidi uh yeah it was because my, when my folks got diverse divorced divorced when they <laughs> got a diverse divorce uh it was early days and and it was only once that it happened so i i hear you uh but it it was so early it was before it was fashionable and so there was a huge stigma associated with it. Uh, you know, married couples, they didn't want my mom associating with their families or husbands because it was like, oh, boy. Uh, and uh, and as, even as a little kid, if you, even, though you're, if, even if you're not sure why, there is that sense of isolation that you, somehow you must be really different. Very Because you're not doing all these things, yeah. Um, but... Uh, you know, it is also something that you you deal with and you grow and you, you know, and, and hopefully it, it gives you a sense of, of independence, uh, which oh, you much. clearly have. <laughs> and uh, so you, you uh, embrace just those. fine, except for the twitch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's an endearing twitch, Heidi. Aw, thanks. I think that's one thing that really... Um, if I could just gush, I mean, I, I know we're, it's an interview. We're supposed to ask questions, but if I could just gush, and I realized this I, the first time we did the interview and then with listening to your recent stuff is you're one of, because I, I do a lot of comedy music. That's kind of where I am right now. I, I've been trying to write more serious stuff. You walk that balance probably better than most artists I know. Like you can mm -hmm. write the straight up funny songs, like too much stuff, for example. Um, even McDonald's World has a lot of comic elements. But when you write a serious song, it's like Saturday's Father or I actually think you wrote the saddest song I've heard recently with Halfway Normal World. Don't get me started on that one, um, which I think is one of the saddest songs I've ever listened to. Like you walk mm -hmm. that um, that line between the comical elements um, and the serious songs better than a lot of people out there. And I, I, I and like you talked about the eclectic side of it. Um, that's the other thing that you do very well, too, that you have that. Um, ability to really touch on like just in the last album the jazzy songs the uh the kind of the the childlike bop of of um um <clears throat> when you did uh um welcome the to stupid town and um <laughs> yeah the kind of the kind of the spy feel of the russians are coming um you're definitely one of the most eclectic artists that i've had a chance to listen to over the last couple of years when i really listened to your stuff and I, that just really impresses me and I love how you match up the sound with the song, like the, the point of that song, you're making that sound connect with it. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's something that uh, the heads of labels I've been on uh, always found very problematic. They would shake their heads and say, Dean, we don't even know where to put you uh, right. in, in, in the record store. Where, I mean, where are we going to categorize you? Is it jazz, <laughs> pop, country, folk? And my perspective has always been and basically I see what, what I do is being uh, writing short stories and setting them to music and, and whatever the idiom is uh, it, it, it first has to serve the story being told uh, 
And, uh, you know, in terms of that balance between uh, the serious and the not so serious, I, 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 I might attribute that just to genetics because or the culture that I come from, because uh, humor is just one of those things that I, I view as a, a crucial survival mechanism, right? Uh, strategy, and uh, that without a sense of humor, without that kind of perspective, uh, it, it's hard to remain sane in the midst of all the things that actually happen in the world. So I do try to. I don't know if I try. I think it's just my nature uh, that my perspective does try to see the the humor even in some pretty awful situations. Uh, on the on the latest album, uh, American Lullaby, uh, it was more intentional because the new album uh, is something that it's basically my personal take on all the crazy insane stuff that has happened in America and around the world over the last six years, ever since we woke up to find that a, uh, a bankrupt real estate developer and uh, known money launderer for the Russian mafia was president of the United States. And all the things that led from there, including the pandemic and, and, and now, you know, what used to be referred to as pending climate crisis uh, or the looming crisis. It's now here. So I, I realized in trying to talk about things that are happening today all around us, uh, that I was dealing with difficult subject matter, difficult topics and material. And I knew that in order to address them, I needed to some find a way to leaven that seriousness with a healthy a dose of humor and an ample amount of silliness. And I, I feel like I, I, I've accomplished that because that's the reaction I've gotten from folks. Um, because as you say, in Stupid Town, uh, it's, it's, it, 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 it is a lot of people's favorite songs <laughs> because it is so stupid and silly. But it, it deals with some of the most pressing uh, crises that are facing us in terms of our culture and uh, injustices uh, in terms of how society is set up. And, uh, you know, even a song like Halfway Normal World, it, 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 the, part of the intent of that, that refrain is that it's not really enough to go back to the normal world we came from. Because mm. if, if nothing else, this pandemic has served to... to starkly highlight the the discrepancies and injustices and unfairness mm -hmm. that are structural in, in our society and mm -hmm. so it's not enough to go back to thing the way things were we we really have to aspire to a, a better normal uh, or in 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 the context of that song what i refer to as a halfway normal world Oh, you, you, you nailed it. I think that's like why when I, the first time I heard it, um, I was actually in tears uh, listening to it because uh, it's so, I think, I think it's almost deceptively sad and depressing in, in a good way. Um, and the fact that, uh, you know, you refer to things that, you know, maybe back at the time I'd have seen mundane or every day and how important they were, you know, going to a ball game 
might have become very routine or going to a party or something like that or having those conversations and how that was lost, first of all. But like you said, I think um, that's something that I know my, myself realize as someone that, that does struggle with OCD and mental health um, and his, who's a knowledge hound and wants to read everything. Um, you know, during that time, I think we did realize what it wasn't going to stop the world from being woke. You know, people are like, well, why are there protests happening during a pandemic? Because you can't stop that. And I think, like you said, I think that's what works for it. When you get to the line and you say re returning to a halfway normal world, um, it's such an effective song. It, uh, I can't undersell this enough. It literally well, is one of my favorite evokes... songs I've heard in the last five years. <laughs> Well, and it evokes sadness. Yeah. One of the things that I, I, it was my favorite song on the album as well. Yeah. Um, and, and it's because it allows us to kind of, I, I really thought deeply about this. And as a social worker, I was like, okay, I'm going to, what is really kind of going on here for me? And it's the fact that it allows us to grieve and to go through that grief and loss process that we've had over the last 18 months and, and really have ignored and allows us to take that moment to feel that way and see that other people also feel that way. And that, like you had mentioned that like, this isn't necessarily a bad thing and that we will move forward, but at the same time, we want that normal, but at the same time, we also know normal wasn't healthy and we need to move forward and have a new normal. Um, and so it really plays that line of all of those different things all at once. And the music matches up perfectly with that, that sadness of that song. Well, to... Uh... To, to reference uh, one of my mentors, Johnny Mitchell, uh, you, you, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Nice. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and that was, you know, one of the fundamental emotions that people had, which is suddenly they were cut off from their normal lives and uh, the things that were most important to them. And, and you can't help uh, to, but reassess and, and, and reevaluate your priorities and how you've been living your life prior to that moment. Uh, when suddenly you're deprived of all those critical connections. What well, and, and another yeah. thing that you do so brilliantly with it is, is I realized this after I listened to it, I kind of went back to it. I was like, Oh, this is a pandemic song. You never once referred to it in the song as a pandemic song, which I thought was one of the most brilliant things lyrically about that song. But then you have the line in there about, being side to side, toe to toe, you know, the whole social distance thing. It's a song that you can listen to and having lived through 2020, every person knows exactly what that song is about. And I thought that was just brilliant about it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Jeff. I mean, I did leave a few little subtle, not so subtle yeah. clues yeah. in there. <laughs> uh, like, you know, for example, the, the, at the ball game, uh, you know, the, the, the diamond oasis and players running the bases and right. the catcher is wearing a mask. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's just, I love that. It's just, there's enough in there that, yeah, we all know what it's about, but it doesn't hammer, you know, it doesn't hammer the over, it doesn't hammer the, the, the whole pandemic idea over your head. It goes right for the jugular of what we're all feeling or what everyone's feeling. And I think, um, yeah, it's, uh, um, I, I said I wasn't going to gush about this, but it literally is one of my favorite songs of the last five years. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that. 
as opposed to the Russians are coming, uh, which actually hammers you over the head with the hammer and sickle. I was going to say, you bury that up like between sarcasm and like it's straight so comical. Out, like, yeah, I'm right. going to just say exactly what I'm thinking. Like, and, and from one song to another, like you go from Stupid Town, which is so sarcastic. And I love the old fashioned feel of it which kind of gives it that like, oh, let's go to, back to old Americana, but in such a sarcastic way. And then the next yeah, song right afterwards is, is a <laughs> straightforward song of riding with Biden. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, uh, riding with Biden was the first song that I wrote in this collection of songs for American Lullaby. Uh, and I wrote it because uh, when Hillary Clinton was running for president, uh, everyone said, oh, Dean, you know, you have a song called Hey, Hey, Hillary. You should turn that into a campaign song. And I thought about it. I said, yeah, that's a good idea. And I, I even, you know, did some early sketches to do a music video. But then I, I along with everybody else, I just assumed she was going to win. It, it became less of a priority. And then I just forgot about it. So when she lost, I can't tell you. And just to illustrate the megalomania of a typical songwriter is that I thought, oh, my God, she lost by like 10,000 votes in Michigan. It's my fault. <laughs> if I had done this song, it, it would have generated a couple of votes and it would have made the difference. Of course, I, I realized that's patently untrue. But uh, when Biden was running against Trump's second term, uh, I, I uh, made damn sure that I wrote the song and produced a music video for it and, uh, and included it on this album because uh, as a document of what we're going through, yeah, it, it was uh, important for me to to say emphatically that for whatever his faults, and he's got many, uh, that uh, we still owe Joe Biden a, a debt for having uh, prevented Trump from having a second term because we dodged a bullet, and that bullet is not uh, uh, landed; it's still heading our way. Um, but I, it can't be understated how worse off we would be uh, if uh, Trump had given a second term and, and was finally unchecked and unmoored uh, from what little, little reality he might have been attached to. And I think one of the things that's really cool about your music is very much like Stephen, he's not, you don't necessarily like say i'm going to put this and and kind of hide it and and secretly put in my thoughts behind my music you are straight out there about what and and put out there what you believe and what you think and people either can accept that or not uh yeah i mean i uh, again i tried to uh, to find some kind of uh balance that people hopefully find palatable because uh, I don't want to constantly bang them over the head with, with these kinds of messages. But it's why I, I, ad I adopted the model of a lullaby for this entire album, uh, and in particular, the title track, American Lullaby. It's because if, if you think about it, there's a, a curious uh, property that all lullabies have in common in every culture, in every corner of, of the world. Uh, and that is that uh, you have parents uh, rocking their babies to sleep, singing them these beautiful melodies, the lyrics of which 
are foretelling horrible disasters that are going to befall these little babies as they grow and and face the world. And I mean, think about Rockabye Baby. Rockabye Baby on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. (laughs) Then the bow breaks, the cradle falls on the kid's head out of a tree. First of all, what's the kid doing in the tree in the first place? (laughs) The point is that the only way it makes any sense to me is to interpret it as the means by which parents try to instill crucial information to the next generation without scaring the hell out of them. Uh, so they, they, they fill their nursery rhymes and their lullabies with these dire warnings about potential disaster, things to be afraid of, things to avoid. And uh, they, they couch it in, in soothing, comforting tones as they lull these little kids to sleep. And that really was my plan for the for this album, American Lullaby, because, again, I was very aware that I was dealing with a lot of difficult topics. And people say, oh, is this a political album? It's not. It's a it's a gossip album. It's current events. It's talking about things that are going on in our lives, in everybody's lives. And uh, but again, I didn't want to scare the hell out of people <laughs> as they were listening to it. So I did try to uh, tread that, uh, that, that line carefully uh, in terms of the messages I was trying to convey. And some of it is explicit, some of it's implicit, uh, and some of it's really obscure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pull us back. If you guys don't mind, I'm going to pull us back a little bit. And I want to talk a little bit about B&L's version of McDonald's Girl. And we can go more into Dean's album later on, because I really do want people to go out there and listen to it. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of come back to that a little bit more later on. B&L's version of McDonald's Girl. By the way, if you've never heard it, here is a quick snippet. She doesn't try to impress anyone. She doesn't act real tough like all the other girls that I know. She don't treat me like a simple done. She's not ashamed to be the only other virgin I know And when my hamburger's cold, I get up ready to go She's only 15 years old, and I'm in love with her soul um, is, is much more, um, I would say almost manic Like, Heidi, do you know, do you want to break it down a little bit? <laughs> well, I I checked it, and it, it, it seems like they take it up You had it around... I want to say around 104 beats per minute, um, somewhere around there, quarter equals a hundred, somewhere around there. Um, and BNL took it up to about like 158, 160. <laughs> so they like pumped it through, a, I don't know, some massive, like, woohoo, they put crack in it. They give it some Red Bull. And just, <laughs> took it, yeah, they Red Bulled it. <laughs> Um, and took it way up um, and brought that energy up. So in that way, it's it's already it, it takes it to a like a hyperactive level. <laughs> um, and so and but but the and the chord breakdown is is fairly similar. But then they do some strange things with it. It's not as similar like as as far as the jazz chords and things like that. They kind of simplify the chord structures. So it that is interesting um, that they kind of took it down to like a bass 
like a very traditional model of pop chord progressions. So, but it is a lot faster. Now I'm curious to know, were you like, when you first heard it, were you like, wait, whoa, that's not even like my song. Well, I, I laughed the first time I heard it. And, you know, by quoting the BC boys, basically they were saying we have the right to party. <laughs> and so, <laughs> And and that's how I interpreted their interpretation of the song. Uh, it, it it became, uh, you know, sort of a party version of that of mm-hmm. that teenage love song filled with angst. Uh, a, a little more fueled by whatever was uh, on tap on the party at the party, and so. Uh, but you know, it's look. I, I, I love Bare Naked Ladies, and what I associate with all of their music is enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, so I, I just take it that they uh, took sort of my romantic ballad version of McDonald's Girl and made it that much more enthusiastic. And mm-hmm. so, I, I appreciated that from the get go. Which is kind of like what they did with Fox on the Run, too. Like, they like to take these songs that were a little bit more ballady, and they're like, all right, we're going to really pump it with, with enthusiasm. And But I don't think it takes away from, like, the innocence of it either. Like, I think it just, it, like, I, I don't think it, their increase in tempo and their changes don't necessarily take away because the lyrics are so solid. Yes. And I think that's what works. Oh, I think it works. And I think that they're... Their approach to it also uh, lends itself to to that adolescent frenzy. Yeah. Yes. Well, I feel like I feel like um, the, their version is, um, and I thought about this too when I, I, I compared the two side by side. I mean, their version is a BNL song. They they made it a BNL song. Oh yeah. Uh, right from the arrangement. Oh, yeah. I mean, the way they did the arrangement and everything. Yeah. Um, because I love the arrangement of the original one. I love uh, one thing that I I don't and uh, we all know I love BNL. That's why we were here. And um, one thing that I miss from <clears throat> the original is the vocal arrangement, the harmonies that you get on the original. Mm. The the arrangement of the vocal harmonies on the original, even just like the simple things like quarter pounder with cheese, that high cheese harm. Um, those little things. Uh, it's hard for me to listen to the BNL version and not miss that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Well, I, like I say, I, I actually, I get it and always have get a, a huge kick at it here in their version of it. And m- look, my only gripe is why didn't they uh, cover it on one of their major label uh, releases? That, right. That's my <laughs> only complaint, guys. You know what? I love you. But, uh, you know, even though you didn't write it, you could have put it on one of your big studio albums. Yeah. (laughs) I would have loved to have seen a studio album version of their their version of the song. Like, it would have been... Yeah, it's never too late. (laughs) I don't think they've ever done a cover on a actual album, though. Uh, I'm only aware of them putting out sort of some kind of uh, fan collector's live version of it uh you know i don't know maybe 10 years ago uh, and there are bootlegs versions of it uh, and uh, a couple of folks that put up uh, recordings from live gigs i think right. uh, in buffalo new york in in 2000 new year's eve 
they played it. Uh, and that's somewhere out there. Um, well, I mean, they could it, release it on a flexi disc. Really? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, come on. Take it out to McDonald's I was, I, or I, slip I, it in mailboxes. <laughs> sure. Well, why not? Actually, when one of my first record albums when I was a kid on my little Holly Hobby record player was a flexi disc of the McDonald's um, Big Mac song, Big Mac uh, um, to all beef patty, special sauce, <laughs> lettuce, funny. cheese, pickles. And, and it was on a flick. I think it came in a Happy Meal. I'm pretty sure it did. Um, but I think that's the only flexi disc recording I've ever owned in my life. Um, <laughs> but yeah. BNL could be onto something if they did that. Uh, well, uh, yeah, listen, I'm all for it. Um, I do want to mention, so you, you brought up earlier that they do quote uh, Beastie Boys, and I want to give credit to where credit is due. Well, you know that she's gonna go to, you know she's hardcore, she'll show you a good time, and then she'll show you the door, boy. So that is from Hey Ladies by the Beastie Boys, uh, that mm -hmm. little breakdown that they do there in the middle, which is a very fun kind of thing. Don't you know that she's got a gold tooth? You know she's hardcore. She'll show you a good time and then she'll show you the door, boy. Isn't that Tyler? I think Tyler. It is, is Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. Boy. And then the menu list breakdown is actually from the 1981 commercial. I had to go through and look at all the commercials to figure out which one it actually came from. But it was 1981 mm -hmm. where they did mm -hmm. the big back filet of fish breakdown. Pounder French fries, icy Coke, thick shakes. Oh, yeah. Well, this is why we're not getting paid anymore because you're paying someone else to go through all these commercials. <laughs> now, I, I got to tell you that that the the whole McDonald's theme song canon is awesome. I mean, I really respect mm -hmm. it. Uh, and my favorite was you, you're the one, you mm. are the only, you know, it's like, there's all these great songs. And uh, so to be a, a, a small part of that canon is an honor. I can see that because they do have a really great list of songs that are in that, in their advertising. Well, it's almost like, uh, you know, ha having a James Bond theme song, but not quite. <laughs> 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 i feel like you have a james bond theme song though because i feel like the russians are coming could be one hey listen uh from your mouth to uh with the, with the broccoli family's <laughs> production company's ears well i just want to say that every word of the russians are coming is derived from the 1000 page uh, Congressional uh, Intelligence Committee report, uh, Senate report uh, on uh, Russian interference in the 2016 election, uh, a bipartisan committee that studied uh, the Russian active measures uh, in trying to uh, get Donald Trump elected. So mm -hmm. I didn't make anything up in the song. Every <laughs> lyric uh, is based uh, on factual evidence uh, and, uh, you know, confirmed and agreed to. Uh, by a bipartisan congressional committee, uh, which concludes the only reason uh, Trump was saved from a prison haircut is because uh, Stone and Manafort kept their mouth shut. By the way, excellent Russian accent. <laughs> the, 
<laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> did, did you take? Did you actually like take lessons for that? Or no, no, no. You know what I did? I I, I listened to Steve Carell's accent in uh, Despicable Me. I think, well, if yeah. he could do it, I I could give it a shot. Russian thinks we're feeling safe. Drove to work in the Trump Tower elevator, and so I, I just, uh, yeah, I just, uh, uh, yeah, b- things like Bagman would Bagman, and Hillary would be Hillary, <laughs> so <laughs> Hillary Clinton. It was a challenge, but it was a lot of fun. And, and people seem to get a kick out of it. Jeff? Yes. Would you like to take over for a few minutes and have us do our ratings? I can do that. So, Dean, the way we do this Ooh. is um, I pick an arbitrary, based on something that came out of the conversation or anything, pick an arbitrary um, thing we're rating it on. And we rate the song on a scale of 0 to 5. Decimals are allowed, so 2.5, 2.6. Uh, four to five are songs that you would absolutely want on your playlist. Um, <clears throat> and then from there on down. Now, my understanding is, of course, we're ranking the Bare Naked Ladies cover today, correct? Yes. Okay. We're, yes. <laughs> we're not ranking at all the original McDonald's. Because I love them so much, because they're referencing the song, I've decided we're now ranking this on a scale of zero to five McDonald's French fries. Okay. Because would you like some fries with that? Would you like some fries with that? Because who who can who can avoid McDonald's French fries? That's that's what I so now is this before or after they they uh, stopped using animal fat and started using vegetable fat? Whichever one you prefer. We want we want your best fry rating here. Um well to be honest. Uh, the Five Brothers Burger place makes the best fries, t- in my opinion. I would agree with that, actually. And they just dump them right in the bag. And it's amazing. They do. It's right there. It's fresh. They're they're nicely seasoned and crisp. And uh, so that, I mean, I would give them a five. As far as the McDonald's, if I can hearken back to those uh, pre-vegetable fat days. Look, I munched them up uh, as a kid, just like everybody else on the planet. And uh, so I would give them, uh, well, <laughs> I can't, I, I would give those fries a, a 3.5. Now, is that your ranking of the Bare Naked Ladies cover? No, not at all. Those are just the fries. Oh, <laughs> I was wondering. I thought so. You're ranking the fries. Okay, well, let's start with you. How would you, I usually put the guests first, so this one's a little awkward because we're basically asking you to rank a cover of your song. My own song. Okay. Your own yeah, song. That's- so, how would you, on a scale of zero to five, how many fries, five guys or McDonald's, would you rank the Bare Naked Ladies cover a McDonald's girl? Oh, okay. I misunderstood the original question, but I shall endeavor to answer this one forthrightly. Uh, I would have to say this, that my one caveat is that this is a live version. All the versions I've heard are live versions. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've never heard a studio version of their cover of McDonald's girl. Uh, and I think I would be very pleased <laughs> to hear one day. But uh, in the meantime, I, I, I'm reluctant to give a five to what are, are typically badly uh, recorded bootlegs of their live concerts. I would still give it a four and a half because it's a, it's a great version of an infectious song that they make even you know more 
uh, exuberant, and uh, it, uh, it never fails to crack me up every time I hear it. All right. Setting the bar high. Heidi. Um, I also was going to go with a 4.5, but I love the dismount of this song so much <laughs> where he's like, show you the door boy. And then I am in love with the McDonald's. <laughs> so like, there's so much, there's so much, um, right and left turns that I just love that are so endearing in the song. So I'm going to give a couple points for that dismount and I'm going to throw it up to a 4.7. Okay. Cool. Because evocative of me being a McDonald's girl. So there you go. <laughs> All right. So I will go next. I absolutely Thank love you. the original. I love the Bare Naked Ladies version. I, I, as a cover, it's great. Like Dean said, it's hard to rank a live version. It's, it's, you're not getting, you know, what would it sound like if you put everything into it? If you had the mixing, if you had the, the arrangement. Um, I love it. I love, I love the energy of this one. Like I'm said, loving it. Huh? <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I, I love that little guitar riff they do, Just like uh, leading from the pre-chorus into the chorus, like the little da, 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 like so many moments in this. One thing, like I said, that 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 I kind of miss is in the original. Yeah. <laughs> Careful, we have to pay for that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. No, you don't. It started with me. <laughs> That's guy, true. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, one thing that I miss is that uh, the original song has such a great vocal arrangement. There's so many great harms in the original. And this is Bare Naked Ladies, and they're known for their harms. Steve and Ed are the harm masters. I mean, they're so good at it. So I kind of would have liked to hear a little more, if I'm being a little critical, I would have liked to hear a little more of the harm play going on there. That said, it's a fun, fun song. I'm going to give this one a 4.4. 4. All right. Oh, I got to find your column. I'm the column that ranks. What did I rank fives? I've had some fives in there. I know. I just I haven't. I'm the column that ranks. Maybe you should dry high all the time. Time. Oh well, I I had I had it all figured out and it was alphabetical, but then I had to add Heidi in. Oh and yeah. Now I've completely blown all the, the new lady threw everything off out. out of whack. Look at yeah. that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do that to people a lot. I had to add a whole new column, add a whole new rating way of averaging everything. <laughs> I am just, I'm going to have to fix this whole slide sheet later, uh, oh. spreadsheet later on. So, um, first world problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I blame the Russians. Um, I need to write a song called First World Problems. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Weirdo Yankovic already did one. That's true. That's true. That's true. Gosh darn it. He beats me to it every time. Tracy, I would love to know <laughs> how many fries do you give the Bare Naked Ladies cover of McDonald's Girl? I'm going to give this Wendy's fries, first of all. Wendy's wow. not a sponsor. Um, that is controversial. Wendy's, I, I absolutely love your Wendy's fries. Like them better than McDonald's fries. I haven't tried the Five Guys burgers yet, though, and, and they're not. They're not giving us a sponsorship either, so maybe that should be our our not going to sponsor us moment of this week. Is it's Five Guys Burgers, but I agree with you, Jeff. I like I miss the harms on this, but it's still such a fun song. Um, I I only have to give it a little bit of a ding because it's one. There's not as Dean as you said an actual studio version, and I would love to hear an actual studio version of this. Um, and 
because there's no harmonies. And I know that if they did a studio version, they could totally oh, yeah. pull off the harmonies. There, there'd be an arrangement, yeah. And like... They didn't do it. Um, I do like the rap breakdown, yeah. though, and the, the McDonald's menu list breakdown. Um, this, I actually have this on my playlist. I can't give it anything lower than a four because I have. I actually took it and downloaded it for my playlist along with Dean's version it's on there like it randomly and last week when I was listening it randomly threw up my my thing Dean's version came up and then B&L's version came up right afterwards so I was like yes this is amazing um I would have to give this I think a 4.4 I think you have to agree with you, Jeff it's rare but it happens I know very rare very rare rare so Dean where can people find your music well, Jeff, funny you should ask. <laughs> Specifically the new album that you have yes. coming out. I believe it's released mm. the day that we released this episode. Uh, my uh, latest album is entitled American Lullaby. It, uh, it's 12 tunes that talk all about uh, our lives and the world around us. And is coming out Friday, the 27th of August, and can be ordered uh, through my website, which is deanfriedman.com, and through all the other likely uh, suspects like Spotify and Amazon and Apple Music. Uh, although I, I, I have to stress that although it's great to, to listen and save my music on all of those streaming sites, uh, they don't actually pay musicians uh, more than bookers. Uh, and so if you want to support the independent artists, uh, all your favorite independent artists, uh, then it's best to buy direct. So you're encouraged to, to go to deanfriedman.com and uh, you can order a CD or I have even uh, USB credit card sized USBs of uh, American Lullaby, the, the album. Uh, you can just pop it in any device that has a USB port uh, and you can order digital downloads as well, or go to bandcamp.com. You can order uh, the album or uh, digital downloads. Uh, and Bandcamp is one of the very few music sites that uh, treats their musicians with respect and uh, a measure of fairness. Uh, so I support them. And best to order on Friday. Cause usually Fridays you get the full amount. That's right? true. Yeah. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. well, usually the, well, some Friday, but you know what? You don't have to wait till Friday. You can uh, <laughs> check out the, the music on my website and listen to it at all your favorite streaming sites. Uh, and uh, yeah, just pay me a visit. And less, uh, if I could add one last point here, as I might have referenced earlier, I've been doing a, a monthly Zoom cast uh, the last Sunday of every month. It's uh, from right here in the Hunking Goose Studios, where I'm talking to you from now. It's not completely all request but uh, folks get to uh, vote on uh, what songs they want to hear and the playlist is curated by uh, my enthusiastic listeners and then i throw in a couple of my own choices uh, and uh, i'm uh, assisted ably by these uh, a pair of socks uh, puppets that are uh, adept at many things that you wouldn't think socks were adept at <laughs> it's always a blast it's always a lot of fun and uh, you're all invited uh, last Sunday of every month. And you can find all this information and order all the CDs and tickets to all my gigs, virtual or otherwise, at deanfriedman.com. And in the meantime, if you want to watch something that's free, 
Um, the appearance for this week is when Dean was actually actually joined Stephen Page Trio on on stage to sing. And I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, it was Ariel. Uh, that sounds likely. Sure. At, at the Kate Theater in uh, Connecticut. Yeah, that was a, a lot of fun. So it's an amazing video to watch. I recommend everyone go out and watch that. And I will have that in the liner notes. But all right, I I have a hard time with the transition for this week. I I mean, we've been pretty political today. So I, I guess that what I can say is, you know, I, I just recently got done watching um, the new Borat movie and well, not new now, but new to me because I'm behind the times a little bit. And, you know, I got to say, watching that, Rudy Giuliani did not come out looking good with that. And if I, if I just have one thing to say, I would just say to, I would say to Rudy, a message to him, if you would, that Rudy... A message to you. <laughs> I just got... <laughs> The the pun for the next episode is always you just have to sit here and listen. It's gonna it's gonna uh, eventually. <laughs> it's me in the teeth. I, I just Rudy, don't bring people that are interviewing you into your personal hotel room. Just don't not it's not a good idea from the get go. Like interview them in a public space. That that's just my recommendation for you, Rudy. That sounds like sage advice, Tracy. <laughs> it is good advice. Good advice. Always well, good Dean, advice. it has been a real pleasure having you on tonight. It's been a lot of fun discussing this song as well as all of your wonderful yes, songs. It has. Uh, well, this has been a treat for me as well, and great to hang out with you, you folks. And uh, I applaud your mission and all your efforts. And uh, always a pleasure to meet a genuine, authentic, lovely McDonald's girl. (laughs) And to everyone that's been listening, join us next week for Message to You, Rudy. But thanks. That was fun. Ah, see what you did there. Have a good night, everyone. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Thanks. That was fun. Don't forget. No regrets. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 